0: So our lesson in our Bible study in our scripture today is in 2 Kings chapter 6. So uh, as you you always know, it's easy to find books like 2 Kings because you just got to go to 1 Kings and it's the next book. So it's not hard finding (laughs) 2 Kings. But it is in the first third of the Bible, nearly at the end of the first third of the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 8. And this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I hope and pray that God gives us grace and wisdom as we look at it together. And let's, let's pray that God will use this message to encourage us and also to establish our hearts in faith. Second Kings chapter six, verse eight. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none my Lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. Now, when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? And he answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them, And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. And may the Lord bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today. I uh, heard the story about, uh, that I'm sure is probably not biblical, but it's about Adam and Eve. You can decide for yourself if you think it was true. So Eve came up to Adam and she noticed that he was gone and and she said, she was really upset with him and she suspected that he had found another woman. He said to her, how can I find another woman? There's not another woman. You're the only other woman in the world. And he was telling the truth. But she was still suspicious. In the middle of the night, Adam felt something poking at him. He woke up and it was his wife, Eve what are you doing? I'm checking and counting your ribs. (laughs) You've got to know a little bit about the Bible to get that one. This story about Elisha the prophet is one of my favorite stories as I said earlier. It tells the story of what was going on in Israel. Israel at the time was split from Judah. So Judah and Israel were two separate countries. Now, God's people, since they were split into two different countries, God still had his people. He still loved his people. So no matter who was ruling whom, he still loved his people. He loved his people before they had a king. He loved them when they had two kings and he loved them when they had no kings. And now he still loves them. So he loves his people regardless. So he sent a prophet named Elisha. Now, Elisha was the servant of the Lord, but he was also the assistant to a more famous prophet earlier named Elijah. And Elijah was a great prophet of the Lord and did great miracles. Elisha though, he was asked by Elijah, what do you want before I go? And Elisha says, I want a double portion of what you've got. I want a double portion of your spirit. Think about what do you do? And even uh, Elijah said, that's, that's tough. But if you're with me, when I leave, then you will get what you want. So Elijah actually tried to escape and get away from him. <laughs> I always wonder, why did Elijah try to get away from Elisha? Like tell, sending him off on errands or getting him away. But Elisha knew he had to stay close to Elijah And in the process of staying close to Elijah, uh, despite the efforts of Elijah, uh, Elijah finally came to the day when he needed to go. So the Lord ends up taking him up in a chariot of fire. He leaves the world without even dying, but his mantle, which is an outer cloak, it fell and uh, Elisha caught it. So from that point on, Elisha ended up being the prophet of the Lord. And he did about twice as many miracles that are recorded for him as were recorded for Elijah. And Elijah was a major prophet and did great things. So Elisha is this man, and he is uh, uh, approached here by uh, an army. Now, why would an army seek out one person? Think about that for a moment. Why would an army seek out one person? They must have thought he was very important. And the reason is kind of obvious here, but you may not know it at first glance, but when you know the politics of the day, you'll be able to understand. So Israel's capital was located in Samaria, which later on we know as people who lived there being Samaritans, but they were a little different at that time. But these were Israelites living in Samaria, and the king of Israel was young at the time, and uh, he evidently gave some credit to uh, Elisha. And, and, and as a result of this, every time the king of Syria would threaten the, the people of Israel, Elisha would tell the king of Israel what they were trying. So the king of Israel could set up a trap and be on guard so that nothing the Syrians planned ever, ever succeeded. They literally every time they came up with a plan. Okay, we're going to get them this time, and sure enough, just like Wiley e. Coyote, it didn't matter. They were not going to win. The Roadrunner was going to get away, and and that's that got them thinking. This king says, "Oh, okay, I've had enough of this. <laughs> we, I want to know which one of you is for the king of Israel, because somebody is telling everything, all of our plans. So nothing was working." for this king. It's then, and I don't know how they knew this, but somebody got the word, because they had spies too. They had spies in Israel. They said, hey, it's Elisha. He knows everything you say. He's telling the king of Israel what you say in your own bedroom. Well, if you've got that kind of intelligence, you're gonna do pretty well in a battle or avoiding a battle. It's at that point that the king of Syria says, You know what? I'm going to have to get this guy. Notice that he doesn't say kill him. <laughs> he says, Let's go get him. Because he thinks, Well, if he's that valuable to the king of Israel, I'm thinking, Hey, he'll be valuable for me. I, I think that's what the king of, a, of Syria, it, who's, who's headquartered in Damascus, uh, I think that that's what the king was thinking. So he sends up a, a huge army. And that army surrounds that little village. It's called a city, but it's really a kind of a little town up on a hill, and they get there. Well, the servant of Elisha saw this, and it really scared him. I mean, he really was afraid, and you would be too. When you see all those soldiers, all those chariots camped around you, you might start worrying about your own safety and it did panic him and it caused him a great concern and i think about this this chapter and and about what's going on and i think today in our day we we often oftentimes we worry about the forces of this world we worry cuz they seem to not be mounted in our favor but rather against us and and it seems like The people who are running our world are not doing a good job of doing what God would want them to do, and it causes us grief. The world situation causes us grief, and eventually it could create a situation where we're physically in danger because of it. But fortunately for the people of Israel and for the servant here, he had a man who was in touch with the Lord named Elisha. And Elijah wasn't panicked at all. In fact, this story, if you wanna think about it, could be called, One Man Defeats an Army. He captures a whole army. Now, I, I grew up in Tennessee, and that's where I live right now, of course, and I've lived in Tennessee most of my life. I've traveled and gone to other places. But one of the great heroes I had as a young person was Sergeant York, or Alvin C. York. Now, Alvin York, if you've watched the movie, you know a lot about it. Although some of the details, of course, are Hollywood rather than fact. But but the fact is, Alvin York was a great military hero. He he eventually originally he had uh, lived a life like many people do. He lived kind of a wild life. He didn't serve God, but God got a hold of him and he got straightened up and he and he became a Christian. But his personal convictions were he didn't want to fight in World War I. So he became a conscientious objector to the war, but he still went. So he went with the draft because they drafted him and they kind of made him do it. So he goes to the war and eventually he he, come, he he realizes that if he's going to get through this thing and save his friend's lives, he's got to have to fight. Now, Alvin York was very good with a, a rifle, like a lot of people in the country back then they could shoot a rifle and very well. So he was, he didn't need to be taught how to shoot a rifle and he did a very good job, but he single-handedly caught and captured uh, a lot of men and then he and his uh, platoon ended up bringing back over a hundred prisoners after they captured them. Now that's unusual, but even though Alvin York got the Legion of Merit of France and got the Medal of Honor and was honored by the state of Tennessee and the United States government with our highest award, that doesn't compare to the work of this man named Elijah because he he captures an entire army himself. Now, I don't know in the record of military history when one man has captured an entire army. It will be surpassed. Someday though, because I do believe that someday when Jesus comes back, that all those armies are going to be stopped with one word. (laughs) So the Lord will do a better job than Elisha. But in Elisha's case, he didn't have to shoot anybody. He didn't have to kill anybody. He didn't even have to strike anybody, although he did cause them some problems with his prayer. And so what does he do? Well, What's his first prayer? Is, a, is Elisha's first prayer? Oh, Lord, save us from this army. I have no record that he ever prayed that prayer. Uh, it doesn't indicate that he did pray that prayer, although he may have been praying that prayer in his daily life. He could have said, Lord, save us from all dangers. And so I don't say he didn't pray that. Undoubtedly, in, in my opinion, he probably did pray that prayer on a regular basis. I I think about the story of Stonewall Jackson in in the Civil War. Uh, Stonewall Jackson was a Christian. He was a great general for the, the Army of Northern Virginia. And he was devout. I mean, he really believed in God and he prayed consistently. And it's my opinion that what happened in his prayers is that he probably prayed, Lord, protect me from my enemies. Because if I'm fighting a battle and I'm leading an army, I'm going to ask God to protect me from my enemies. Which is ironic, because when he was fighting in the Battle of Chancellorsville, he came up with that brilliant plan in which they split their forces and went around the end of the the, the Union uh, army. He uh, he drove the the the. the Federal Army, the Army of the Potomac, all the way back and almost destroyed them. So, but but he did it late in the day. And because the sun was setting, it got dark. He wanted to scout ahead and, and he wanted his men to, to fight on, fight on, fight on, because he knew that if they'd ever stop, they weren't going to win the battle overall. they win, but they wouldn't capture the Federal Army. And they were on the run. So he moved ahead in the lines. He went and did his own scouting. And when he came back, he got shot by not the, the, the Union forces, but by his own men because they were protecting uh, in their own lines. And so after he lost an arm due to that, he ended up getting sick. A few days later, he uh, was dying. His last words, which I've shared with you before, but if you don't know, are kind of interesting. He's, he's there with his wife, He's dying, and, uh, but he starts shouting orders deliriously to all of his forces and all of his commanders. But in his dying words, at the last moment, he suddenly got very uh, sober, so to speak, and he became aware and he said, let us cross the river, like he was looking at something. Let us cross the river and rest under the shade of the trees." And that those were his last words. So he went on to heaven because even though he, we had Christians fighting that war on both sides, God answered his prayers and took him to heaven. But it, he ultimately was not intended to live in this world because it wasn't intended for them to win. And God had a plan. So Elisha, He probably had prayed for safety, but he wasn't worried about this army. So what's his first prayer? (laughs) First of all, he says to his servant, do not fear in verse number 16, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Think about that for a moment. The forces of this world are visible and they are enormous and gargantuan. You can make a lot of words that would try to encapsulate How many forces are against us? When you see the trends, when you see the direction of our popular culture, which has not been going a good direction for a long time, and when you see how everything is so ugly in society compared to what it used to look like. I mean, literally, we we are manufacturing ugliness, self-inflicted ugliness on the world. Because our culture today, I think, is getting to be quite ugly, ugly in our speech. You can't get in popular culture today without people saying ugly words. It's awful and terrible. And people ugly with themselves. They're not happy with themselves. So they they disfigure themselves and they they have to have uh, some extreme wild look because if they don't have an extreme wild look, they're just not themselves, are they? We are desperately needing help. But these forces of the world and popular culture and all the images that are bombarding young people today, it's really putting them uh, into a situation where their minds are being warped and and shaped the wrong direction. And, And for people who've actually lived in a time when things were not supposed to be that way and when we were taught differently, It's hard for us, but I will tell you today that despite all the momentum that seems to go against us, I want to encourage you today that those forces that are against us are less than the forces that are for us. If God be for you, who can be against you? That's what Paul said in the book of Romans. If God is for us, who can be against us? You don't need all those forces We don't have to have all the corporations obeying what we want. We don't have to have the government on our side. We don't have to win in every election. We just need God to be for us. And if God's for us and we're with him, it won't matter who's against us because they're not going to win. They will lose. And that's why Elisha knew the secret. He knew that God had put him in a place to protect his people and therefore God was not gonna remove him from that place because God still loved his people and God still loves his people today. The whole world may be going wrong, but that doesn't mean it has to go wrong for us with God. We need to have God with us. And that's why he's a a victor. I believe uh, Adrian Rogers used to preach that one man with God is always in the majority. And I really agree with that. If you've got God with you, you really don't need anybody else. And Elisha, how many people did Elisha need to capture an army? (laughs) No, nobody except God. So Elisha's prayer, his first recorded prayer in this (laughs) terrifying experience was, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And I I, I think that's what I want to pray for Christians today. Don't pray that the army uh, necessarily be killed that's against you, but instead pray that our eyes would open to see God's power that really is supporting us because there are unseen forces at work, spiritual forces at work right now fighting each other. And we're just like pawns on the chessboard. board. And, and these big forces are, are working, but like the pawn in chess, that pawn can only do one or two things. It goes forward, it can capture diagonally, and that's about it just goes forward. It can't move all over the place. It, it only has a limited range. But if things work out, and just like on that board, if, if you have a, a great chess master, that pawn, though insignificant, if it can reach the end, it becomes the most powerful piece on the board. And that's the way I think people are. I think that we are pawns. But that's not an insult because God, I think, is going to clear the way for us and he's going to move our lives so that we end up getting to the end. And when we get to the end, and notice it doesn't happen one step before, but it's at the end when we are elevated to the most powerful piece on the board. Elisha knew this and he prayed, not necessarily that he would defeat that army, but that the eyes of his servant would be open. And the rest of this, uh, because that's the big climax, because what's gonna happen is he prays, and then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So he sees the angels surrounding him. He is protected after all. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this people, but he didn't kill them. You know, he had compassion for these soldiers, which is, uh, he, he, he was in his right to kill them, but he, he had compassion with for them. He wanted to send a message. So he says, strike these this people, I pray with blindness. And then they got blind, and then he told them after they all couldn't see, he says, y'all hold on, basically hold on to one another, and you follow me and I'll take you where you wanna go. So he takes them all the way to the capital of Israel, Samaria. And and the king of Israel's like, what have you done? Uh, Should I kill all these men that you've captured? And that's when Elisha has sympathy. He says, no, you're not gonna. If you capture somebody, you're gonna treat them with dignity and respect, treat them well. So they, they had a good meal and he provided for them. And after that, he also prayed too uh, in, at, at this point that they would see again and they, they, they saw and they got well and then went back home and guess what? No, the King of Syria didn't go fight them anymore. He says, I'm through with them. If one man can capture one of my armies, I'm not going to play around with him. What a lesson. I hope that God uses that one little incident to help us in our lives. Help us today. And that's kind of my prayer, that God would help us to realize that it only takes one of us if if we're right with God to fight the battle because we don't have to fight the battle. We got forces fighting it for us, but we need to be right with God ourselves. Because if Elisha had not had faith, if he was a man who was doing wrong, if he was a man who was a, a, a cheat, he would not have made it but he was a godly man. He was close with the Lord and God kept faith with him. And God will keep faith with you too, no matter what forces are against you. So I say to you that you may feel like you're the servant here. I don't see it. Don't don't worry. There's an Elisha out there. If you'll listen, they'll pray and you'll be able to see. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you that though the world seems to be against us, would you help us to not look at that, but to see who's for us. Help Christians today, learn that you are more powerful than the world. And what is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. So thank you, Lord, for the faith that overcomes the world. And thank you that through Jesus Christ, We have victory forever, and it's in his name we pray, amen.